Hello there, I'm Rafael Di Furia, back at it again for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. And this Friday night, I want to do something completely different than what has ever been done on Not Your Average Globetrotter before, and that is do an AI-inspired episode. Some of you may know about this new AI recently that came out in public beta for people to be able to test and play around with called OpenAI, and what it is is basically a very advanced chatbot that can have very like natural-feeling conversation People have been using it to write scripts for videos on YouTube. Personally, I would never do that. I do everything off the top of my head. So don't worry, this is not going to be written by, but it's inspired by AI. Uh, Even Linus Tech Tips, for those of you who know about that channel, recently had this AI guide him through building a PC. It's pretty powerful stuff. It's both fascinating and terrifying all at the same time what it can do, but I wanted to put it through its paces and compare it to even some of the stuff that I've done in the past and some of the information it's been able to spit out on topics that I've spoken about, I would say are in some cases the same exact things that I've said or things that I would very much agree with. But let's just quickly jump into this. I've got 10 reasons from this chatbot from OpenAI about uh, some of the reasons why maybe you should consider moving to Portugal. And let's go through them and talk about it, and just to see how right or wrong AI might be about why you should consider moving to Portugal. Anyway, number one, affordable cost of living. Portugal has a lower cost of living compared to many other European countries, making it an attractive destination for those looking to stretch their budget further. I mean, hey, it's not wrong. I've mentioned this before that the cost of living here is quite reasonable, especially in comparison to other places. If I compare it to Italy, in many ways, there are things that are very much lower cost here, but there are some things that are on par, if not maybe slightly higher. And then if you go to places like Lisbon or Porto or wherever it may be, uh, that is some one of these larger, more popular areas or growing areas, then you might find prices comparable to larger cities in other places. And I hear more and more from people that they're saying that they're not finding the prices that they originally had expected or that had been kind of, for lack of a better term, sold to them in the pitch for moving to Portugal. And prices are definitely going up here. And again, this leads to the other problem about why so many locals are leaving their towns and cities for other places because of the cost of living going up so much. Uh, So it's maybe more affordable and better pricing than you would find in some places. But it's not going to be as low cost as maybe what you originally thought. Maybe if you go out into a small little village somewhere, you'll be able to find some ridiculous prices. That definitely can happen. But is everywhere going to be cheap? I don't know if that would be the word that I would necessarily use. So we could call it affordable, like it says in here, affordable cost of living. But I think that could be changing. Of course, Something to keep in mind, if I'm not mistaken, this data set is from 2021, so there may be some information that is slightly off or outdated or missing, so maybe just something to keep in mind. But getting on to number two, beautiful landscapes. Portugal is home to a variety of landscapes, including beautiful beaches, rolling hills, and historic cities. It's a great place to enjoy outdoor activities and take in the beauty of nature. I would agree. I mean, like, let's talk about some of the outdoor activities. You can go surfing here. Like, some of the most ridiculous surfing 
in the world has been here in Portugal. Some of the biggest waves ever surfed, I believe, were in Nazaré or not far from Nazaré on the west coast. Because, I mean, it's a small country and basically its full western and southern coast are on the water. And then the northern and eastern border are all bordered along, butted up against Spain. So just based on water activities, you've got plenty. And not just in the ocean, you've got some lakes, you've got rivers, even just north of Braga, there are some river beaches that you can go to. I actually still haven't even been there. I didn't have any time to go this summer and it was so hot, I didn't even want to think about it. But you do have a lot of outdoor activities you can do. And like I know people who go off-roading, ride horses, um, outdoor sports like here in Braga there's a whole huge area where you can go there's a there's a park where they have like you can go play soccer football or uh, a number of other different sports and also a lot of swimming activities at least here in Braga so there's a lot that you can definitely do here and there's different sports clubs for different sports I have a, a friend who plays badminton and there's even a fencing club here fencing with swords I mean I actually have been wanting to get back into it I used to do it when I was a teenager but um, anyway, there's a lot going on here. So uh, when it talks about beaches, rolling hills, historic cities, it's got all of those. It's got uh, rolling hills and some mountains, uh, as well as every city basically is historic. There's not really any city here that doesn't have some major role historically within the country, um, or even to an extent within the world. Portugal, even from a maritime and discovery standpoint, there has been a lot of the world that they, at least from the European perspective, that they found that these places existed that weren't known about before. Some of the first in Asia, some of the first to go to India, Japan, and also to see how far Portugal actually reached uh, was actually quite impressive. But that's a whole different topic for a whole different video. So number three, rich culture and history. Portugal has a rich history and culture with many landmarks and cultural events to explore. It's a great place to learn about and experience Portuguese culture firsthand. Yeah, look, it's not wrong. I think that's very basic though. If you want to learn about Italian culture firsthand, the best place to go is Italy. If you want to learn about German culture firsthand, go to Germany. Japanese, go to Japan. Thai, go to Thailand. I mean, I think that's a very simple thing to say. So, I mean, look, it's AI. It's not going to be perfect, but is it a good point nonetheless? Of course. So this even gets into my previous point about beaches and coastline and discovering the world. It ties in that history because Portugal is so much on the water. It's had a major effect on its own history and the way that they've gone out to explore the world. I mean, even like fish is a big part of the diet or codfish, the amount of codfish that's eaten per capita in this country is I forget exactly how many kilos per year, but I believe the amount of kilos of fish eaten per year by Portuguese individuals per capita reaches the same amount, or if not slightly more, to what the Japanese also eat as part of their diet. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm just putting it out there because this is just a conversation. Like I said, I do these videos off the top of my head. <laughs> but getting into number four, welcoming people. You guys, if you've been listening in or watching for a while and not your average globetrotter, you've definitely heard me say this about the Portuguese. Number four, welcoming people. The Portuguese are known for being warm and welcoming to visitors and newcomers. If you're looking to make new friends and feel at home in a new place, 
Portugal could be a good fit. I actually respect that this AI, for lack of a better word, chose to use the word could while saying could be a good fit, not will be, but could be. Because every place is not going to be right for every person. It's going to be right for some people, of course. But in general, the Portuguese are very welcoming to outsiders and for people coming in. I mean, even if you look at some of the visas, they think they're some of the most welcoming visas to get into a country in the world. And then even for citizenship, at least as they currently stand, they're some of the most relaxed for naturalization that I've ever seen. So I definitely think that does say something about the Portuguese and how welcoming they are. But then on a social level, like I've said here, there have been so many people that have been so helpful, so welcoming, so warm and so kind that have really made my transition into living here in Braga that much easier. But just before we get into this next reason here, I wanted to say a huge thank you to those of you who help through the one-time donations here on YouTube, through the thanks button, or through rafaeldifurie.com support, or the monthly support on Patreon. It's really because of you guys that I'm able to continue with this project. So thank you also very, very much, as well as the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more that have been purchased. Really thank you all so very, very much for being a part of this. But to get into the next point, let's just jump right into it. Reason number five, good quality of life. Overall, Portugal ranks highly in terms of quality of life. With a strong sense of community and good work-life balance, it's a great place to relax and enjoy life. So this one, I will say I agree that there is a good quality of life. However, it depends on how you live. And there are going to be many people who are from here that might not enjoy the same quality of life as somebody who would be coming in from another part of the world uh, who might have a little bit more financial flexibility. Of course, you have to consider the work situation here and what people earn. And so with so many people coming in from so many other places, this does end up affecting the cost of living here and how far the euro earned by the individual living here from here can actually go at the end of the month. So while you can have a good quality of life, and I would even maybe argue that some people who live on the lower end of the income scale might have a better quality of life here than some people who earn 20 times more in other parts of the world because of just what is offered here, what you find here. But at the same time, ease of life and what that person might have access to might be different. And so I'm not going to sit here and say things are perfect, but it can have a good quality of life here. It is a wonderful country with wonderful people, but there are issues that are arising. And as I've argued in previous videos, that some of these issues could be tied to some of the types of immigration that we're seeing to this country. I'm not saying, oh, immigrants bad. I'm saying that there are a certain type of immigrant that are coming here, expats that are causing prices to rise. I mean, just beyond the regular inflation that we see. But number six, amid climate, Portugal has a mild climate with warm summers and mild winters, making it a great place to live year round. So here's going to be the first part where I say it's not totally wrong, but it definitely leaves a lot out. In the north of the country, it's very well known, at least in Portugal, that this is supposed to be a very rainy place. I mean, I lived in Seattle, and I can't say I've ever seen rain like I've seen here. Like, If you've ever lived in the Northwest, you'll have a lot of gray skies, you'll have some rain, a lot of drizzling, maybe it won't fully be raining, but here, like I've mentioned in recent videos, we've had in the past few months 
probably an amount of days that you could count on a hand, maybe barely even two, that were actually sunny without rain. But in other parts of the country, yeah, maybe things would be more mild and not be as hot or as cold, but something that you do find in the country overall is the humidity. It gets very humid in Portugal, and this is an issue with some partially how buildings are constructed here in combination with humidity that a lot of apartments, brand new apartments, beautifully redone apartments, old places all suffer from mold or can have problems with mold. So having a dehumidifier here could be very necessary. Leaving your heater running to try to dry out your home could be a good idea. I know a number of people who've had horrible, horrible mold develop this year in their homes and apartments and their their abodes for living, their rooms, whatever it may be. It's just an issue that you do find here. It's not in one part of the country, it's in the whole country because it's all very close to the Atlantic and it's all very, very humid, even if you get a bit further inland. Maybe if you get closer to the border with Spain in the center of the country, maybe things could be a little bit different, but this is something that definitely you should keep in mind that I don't think gets brought up enough when people are looking for some of the realities about living in Portugal. But to move on to number seven, delicious food and wine. Portugal is known for its delicious food and wine with a variety of local specialties to try. Oh, definitely. I think there are a lot of Americans who come here and maybe some other people from other parts of the world that they see the food and they get a little off-put by how it looks because it looks very different. Some people I've heard say that it looks unappealing to them and they just wouldn't eat it because of how it looks. But the taste, I personally enjoy very much. Is it for everybody? No. I like it, but not everybody does. Wine in Portugal, people love. People, and you can get really cheap wine here. And sometimes, like I've mentioned in the past, sometimes the cheaper the wine, the better it can be. It doesn't always line up that way, but I mean, sometimes you can get a glass of wine at a place for 50 cents and it's going to be more than fine. I'm not such a big drinker, but like these things exist. But have I gone to go try these things? Maybe I have a few times, but it is something that is worthwhile considering. And then even if you're going to a supermarket, you can get a decent wine for like a very decent price. If you go to a liquor store, like if you're going to be spending personally, in my opinion, from what I've seen so far, if you're already talking about a 20 euro wine, you're overspending at that point. I've seen quite a few wines that are, say, maybe five to eight euros. And I'm not even talking about like you need to cheap out. I'm talking about like drinkable wine. And then you have red wine, white wine, and green wine, Portuguese vinho verde. It's something different. It's hard to explain. It's its own kind of thing. It's kind of like white, but I don't like white, but I do like green wine. So if you've never heard of it before and you do find a Portuguese green wine, I would advise trying it at least once, especially in warmer weather. Goes great with a meal, super low alcohol content. But then you have things like port, Some of them are like super syrupy and super thick, and I don't say that I would enjoy it so much. I do like port, but I had a friend of mine who recently had purchased a bottle that is probably about as old as I am, so like probably 31 years, it could be 32 years old, maybe 33 at the max, and it was the most delightful port that I have ever, ever, ever consumed, ever. It was as smooth as a wine, and had all of the nice things that people enjoy about wine and also some of the nice things that people enjoy about port all mixed into one bottle. It was amazing. And I'm not somebody who would normally rant and rave about alcohol, but that was amazing. But to get on to the next point, 
affordable healthcare. Portugal has a high-quality healthcare system that is affordable and accessible to residents. I can't say I've really dealt with the healthcare system, thankfully. Like, thank God I haven't had to. Um, although minimally, maybe. Affordable could be a good word to use. Like, for example, earlier this year, and please keep in mind I'm having to phrase things a certain way because of YouTube, and I don't want this video to get like shadow banned or anything. But when I uh, got struck by the 2020 bug, I called up the health services and they said, okay, yeah, you've got a, a prescription to go get a test, basically at any laboratory that you want to go to. And I said, oh, how much would it cost? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is included. And I was shocked. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, even coming from Italy, like the Italian system is actually for as much flack that it gets is also very great. It's one of the top in the world. I've heard some people say things that the Portuguese system is not as good as the Italian system, but also I've heard a lot of people say that it can be very frustrating to deal with the Portuguese system and that there are maybe certain things that if you need to go to a specialist that maybe you want to pay for out of pocket or have private insurance and you still won't pay so much. Um, but then for other simpler things that maybe you just want to go to the regular emergency room. So I would say that it will be definitely much more affordable than what you would find in the US and probably some other parts of the world. And from what I've heard, it could even be a little bit lower cost in some cases than what you might find in Italy, at least for private care. Not all, not not all, but in some. But if you're coming from the US, I mean, you can't compare. Like, you just can't. It's going to be one of those things. And I, I do want to get into the medical system in the future. There's some aspects of it, uh, whatever. I'm not going to go into it in this episode, but. I've got plans, so don't worry about it. If you're interested in that topic, make sure that you are subscribed both to the audio and video podcast. And now let's jump into reason number nine, strong education system. Portugal has a strong education system with both public and private schools available. So this is again another area where I have maybe less experience with and only some information on based on friends who have kids and uh, what they've said and what I've heard about even from friends who've gone through the Portuguese schooling system, that it seems like it's fine enough. Uh, I know a lot of expats choose to have their kids go to international schools. I personally don't know if I had children, if I would do that. I think that if I'm living in a place, I would want my children to experience the local culture, even if there's a language barrier. I think it's very important to have the ability to integrate locally because at some of the international schools, it's a bubble and there's minimal influence on what the local culture has to offer. So I don't know if that would be the right choice for me. I know for a lot of people that they do have that preference, but I have heard from people that I know that they do offer language classes to kids that are coming from other parts of the world uh, to help them integrate in the public school system and that they've been happy with that aspect. And so that's something that I think is really cool to see. Um, that it's not like they just kind of get left behind and it's not like you're getting plopped into Portuguese high school and you're like completely lost. So am I going to say that I know it's amazing or not amazing? Unfortunately, I don't have that information. But again, it's impressive to see what this AI has written and getting into point number 10 here. Easy to travel within and outside of the country. Portugal is well connected by road, rail and air, making it easier to travel within the country and to other destinations in Europe. Yes and no. This is true, but with a caveat. Portugal is well connected by air to other countries, 
uh, from Porto in Lisbon and Faro to an extent. However, you have to get to the airport. And so it's not like everywhere is super close. Maybe um, like from Braga to Porto to get to the airport. Yeah, maybe like 40 minutes, maximum an hour. But if you're in the center of the country, then you'll have to go to Lisbon before you can fly out elsewhere. Or if you're in the Algarve, you'll have to go out all the way out to Faro, or even if you're north of the Algarve, you probably still have to get down to Faro one way or the other. Those airports are getting better connections. I mean, even Ryanair recently announced that they're going to be adding in more routes from both Faro and Porto. So these things are expanding. With the interest in Portugal expanding, I see that they could get better, but uh, let's look at Lisbon still being rated as one of the worst airports uh, to, to, to have to fly through. Um, and when it talks about rail, Yes, this is true to an extent, but international travel, you really can only travel to Spain. And I believe even in Spain, there's only so far you can get before having to switch trains if you wanted to go to France. Um, and then within the country, you do have a good train system, but it doesn't go everywhere. And maybe you'll have a, like a central hub that you'll have to go to. And, but even with that said, this is not unique to Portugal. This is something that you do see in other places. So even though, for example, if I wanted to go to a city called Guimarães, which is very close to Braga, if you look at it on the map, you can drive between them very quickly and very easily. Um, but if you wanted to take a train from Braga to Guimarães, there's not a direct train. You have to go out one direction and then back another direction. And I think it's, and whatever it is, it's just, it's not well connected by train. By bus, you do have a lot of buses in the country that go all around. And so from that perspective, you do find more connections to more places. But is it going to be something that I would say is generally easy? Yes and no. It depends on where your start and end points are going to be. But if we're talking about flying from Portugal to other parts of Europe, Definitely. And you can get some very, very cheap flights. Like, for example, I was just looking at flights to England recently, and I saw some that if you booked it far enough in advance that you could pay like 15, 20 euros. Yes, one five, two zero, not five zero, like 15, 20 euros round trip. Sometimes it would just be one way for that low of a price. But some of these European budget airlines are very, very cheap, especially if you're only traveling with carry on. If you're traveling with checked-in luggage, then it can get very expensive very quickly. Uh, the only thing that it seems as though they don't charge you for is breathing the air. But I do want to just round this out with how it ends off this list that it, it gave me, that OpenAI gave. And it said, again, it's important to consider all factors before making a decision to move to a new country. To me, that feels exactly like something that I would say and that I have said in earlier episodes of Not Your Average Globetrotter. But if you're considering a move to Portugal, these are some of the benefits it has to offer. It's kind of scary how impressive that piece of content that it was able to write. Like I said, I'm not going to be able to, or nor would I want to rely on AI to write scripts for Not Your Average Globetrotter. I'd rather talk about things off the top of my head because while it did have some interesting information it's still only a computer or a, a program with limited information, and it doesn't have the boots-on-the-ground experience. It doesn't have the full context. It's never been out in the real world walking around, experiencing. It only knows about it through, uh, through hearsay, so to speak, because, of course, how AI ends up learning, that's a whole different topic for a different time, but 
it's interesting. It is interesting to see how many leaps have been made, especially this year within AI. I mean, audio, photo, video, and text. I mean, it's really crazy to see. So I'm very curious, but concerned about what the future may hold. And anyway, of course, again, thank you all so much for joining along and for helping to make these episodes possible. A huge thank you and shout out to those of you who helped to make these episodes possible on a monthly basis, or also the one-time donations through the thanks button, the monthly patrons. Really, thank you also very much. Of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. Stay safe and healthy out there. Have a happy, holly, jolly, whatever it is that you celebrate or whatever it is that you don't celebrate or whatever it may be that you do or don't do during this time of year. And I will see you all next time for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. Later. Later.